Haven't you enjoyed and appreciated the ministry of Song of David this morning? Amen. You may not realize, but uh, Jacob and, and the crew in Song of David not only minister here uh, at Grace Point, but they're traveling out sending teams in this region, uh, 15, 16 of them, a part of that, multiple worship teams. And uh, it's exciting to be a part of a church that doesn't just serve here, but goes out to every place that we can. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Well, uh, take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 10 as we, we turn now to listen to Jesus through his word. John chapter 10. We've been in this series uh, entitled I Am, looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And uh, today we're looking at Jesus' statement where he says, I am the good shepherd. It's his words that he said to us, and and we're going to make some sense of that together and begin to see why is that important to us? Why should we be concerned about it? What does it mean to us? How does it impact my life this very week? I believe we will land on that note together. As, as I was thinking about that and uh, some other things, uh, maybe uh, that was a rabbit trail in my brain this week, um, I, I was reconnecting with some friends on Facebook, some people that I went to high school with, some guys that I played football with, and uh, they had saw my picture on Facebook and they were razzing me a little bit of, about my haircut or lack thereof. And it dawned on me that, uh, uh, that this friend had not seen me without hair, and then it began to dawn on me that most of you in this room have never known me with hair. Oh, you've seen a beard that grew too long by a few number of weeks or something like that, but no hair on the top of my head. There's a few that I went to school with that uh, could remember uh, those different stages. But it would be one thing for me to just tell you I used to have hair. I could tell you that, and you could just have a faith statement of that. Or I can even tell you a few things and say I used to have a bowl cut like the Beatles when I was a kid. I, I went through a phase where I parted my hair and it was plastered to my scalp with hairspray. And I don't, I don't know what that was about. And it was there. Or I could tell you that I had a, a mullet haircut for a while. I could tell you that I had a messy mop of a hairdo for a while. Or sometimes the hair days were so bad I'd have to wear a hat. Or I could tell you that I had wavy hair. Or I could just show you a picture of all this mess like this up on the screen. And when you see that, not only do you have to like shield your eyes and say, oh my goodness, I prefer you with, without hair. It, it, it gives you more information than just a quick little fact. I used to have hair. A picture, you've heard the phrase, is, is worth a thousand words, and in this case, too many words to see different uh, embarrassing haircuts and hairdos. But the picture tells you something. And if it's somebody you know, when you see that picture, you recognize them. And so uh, some of these pictures is what my friend on Facebook was expecting to see. And then he was graced with this uh, beautiful mug on the screen of there of that homepage. But it didn't quite gel with him. He hadn't seen it. This came to my mind as I was thinking about this passage of Scripture where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. You see, what Jesus is doing in these seven I am statements, and not just here in the book of John, but all throughout Scripture, he's giving us snapshot pictures, images of himself. He's painting with words to say, this is who I am. This is, this is not only what I look like. I, I really think it would have been cool if we could have had like, technology to see an actual photograph of Jesus, but he didn't feel that it was that important that we knew his physical characteristics or else i believe he would have made a way for that to happen but over and over again he felt like it was super important for us to have a mental picture of who he is to us in our life 
That's why Jesus says, you need to know who I am. And he's saying, listen, come close. Let me paint a picture for you of, of not just my image, but, but of who I am to you. In our first week, we saw that Jesus painted with words. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And then he went on and he said in, earlier in this, this chapter 10 that we've already talked about, he said, I am the gate or I am the door. And then he moved on and he said, I am the bread of life. And last week we saw Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And today we're looking at his words. He paints another picture, an image of himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to John 10. Uh, I I hope that you bring your Bibles to church or your device with your Bible on it to church. If if you don't have a Bible with you, um, get close to someone there who has one. Sometimes I put it in the the handout, okay? If you have that handout, the reason I give you those handouts is, is for some of our learning styles, we learn best when we can write, okay? So if that helps you, do that. Others learn best when they can doodle and draw. A very spiritual thing to do right now is doodle and draw. If that helps you learn, you go ahead and do that, all right? This is to bless you, not to curse you. I guess you could use that outline. Uh, there's some people here who are single or they want to make a friend, and maybe you meet someone today, you want to exchange a phone number, you could use that to write a phone number. I don't care how you use the outline. It's a tool for you. Don't let that be like a weight on you. All right, but I say all that to say when I put the scripture in the outline, it may be because I, I you may not have multiple translations in front of you, but it's not to say you don't need your Bible in church. All right, so so bring your Bible, get your device, turn with me to John chapter ten, and as you have it there, we're going to dive into this verse eight and then ten through eighteen together. But I want us to look at the context in your hand, in your device, in your print Bible, in your hand of where we find these words from Jesus. So navigate back to chapter 9, or flip back to chapter 9, and let's begin to see what was just taking place before Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. The beginning of chapter 9, you find there that Jesus is presented with a blind man. You see that in your device or your Bible? And, And Jesus heals this blind man. This is the weird passage. Remember, he spits in the dirt, makes mud, puts mud on his eyes. He heals this blind man. And then right there, in the midst of healing this blind man, there's these Pharisees, these religious leaders, who are not too excited about Jesus. In fact, the picture that we find is there's this growing tension between Jesus and the religious leaders. And Jesus is is highlighting this in today's text. But we need to see the context. Here, right in the middle of a miraculous healing, supernatural, before their very eyes, the very Son of God, the the prophesied about Messiah, the one they had studied about and taught about their entire life, is standing in front of them, and they cannot see it because they're angry. They're mad. They're flat out mad because Jesus is getting more attention than them. And it comes out in the form of jealousy. Who is this Jesus that people are flocking to hear him talk? And see everybody come to synagogue when it was my turn to read scrolls. Who is Jesus? And, and their jealousy and anger began to put them in positions to try to catch Jesus and, and put him in a trap. And so when they saw Jesus heal this blind man, instead of being excited about the healing of what it meant for this guy who couldn't see, who's been born blind, but now can see, they're more upset that Jesus worked did a miracle on the Sabbath. 
And they were more concerned about a rule, a technicality. They were so uh, in love with the letter of the law, they didn't even live the spirit of the law. They didn't recognize the author of all laws as there before them, and they began to call him out on that. And so in the midst of that, Jesus then, then turns in, in the, the middle or end of chapter 9. He says, uh, you're blind, spiritually. How can you lead anybody when you're blind? And now their frustration and anger and jealousy moves to being offended. I'm blind. Who are you to tell me that I am blind? And they resist and reject Jesus. Here, Jesus, again, in this text we're going to read in just a moment, over and over this pattern happens. He reveals part of himself to those who are open to him, and he conceals to those who don't have faith in them. And so these Pharisees, the religious leaders who were more upset, they were jealous, they were mad, they didn't like what was going on. It was more about them. They wanted control. They wanted to hang on to the rules. They could not even see. And all Jesus did was say, you are blind. Now, they just watched Jesus heal this guy who was physically blind. Why didn't their hearts say, well, could you help me see then? Because they didn't really want to know Jesus They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to control him. They wanted to stifle him. They wanted him as long as he was beneath them and they were above. That's the context in which we find this verse. Take your Bible. Look with me at John chapter 10. I'll read verse 8 and then 10 through 18 because we already preached on verse 9. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. Then verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hands is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock is and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus, we come to you right now and I just ask that you would breathe on your word again. Help us not just to get a fact or some new thought to tickle our ears spiritually. But Lord, would you begin to speak to us? Lord, I ask right now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together would not only be pleasing to you, but Lord, would it usher in your supernatural act you do whenever your word is preached. Not about the preacher, even not even about the listener, but about you, the one who is proclaimed. Would you breathe on this and speak to us again? Let it be so. Amen and amen. John's gospel, in which we are reading, it's all about salvation 
through relationship with Jesus. And, and this is true again in this passage. The first century hearers would have identified with this relational metaphor or simile with Jesus being the good shepherd. And Jesus explains in, in language that they could have understood, that they would have been very familiar with, that he is the good shepherd, they are the sheep that must follow him. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't spend much time with sheep. I don't know a lot about sheep. I've never been a shepherd. I've seen shepherds. I played a shepherd like in a kid's school program. That just means you put a towel and a belt around your head. I don't really know. I'm not that schooled on, on shepherds or sheep. I, I've had shepherd's pie. I think my wife has a pair of boots that has like fake sheep lining in them. That's like the extent of what my daily life with sheep are. It's not that big in most of our lives, most of our culture. But the people who originally heard this, it was in language and in images that they would instantly connect with. In, in the Bible, we see shepherds spoken of all over the place. Over 200 times the Bible talks about uh, sheep or shepherds. It was a very common job. Many of the leaders throughout the Bible were a shepherd at one point. We begin to see that the imagery there, the land where Jesus is speaking, it was a big plain. And the plain of the land was not really that great for farming, but it was suitable for shepherding sheep. And so they would have seen people do this age-old occupation of tending to flocks, bringing them into the city, keeping them out at night at times, helping them find the very few sparse green pastures of where it could be. And so Jesus, I love how he does this, uses pictures that they have seen, that they know to communicate to them in ways that they could understand. Again, Jesus is revealing himself to those who are open, and in turn, it conceals or hides the truth to those who reject him. But let's walk through the text together. As we unpack this, we're just going to go verse by verse. And if taking notes helps you, then grab your outline. If not, just just listen. But as we look at the beginning here in verse 8 and then verse 10, we see that there is these different snapshots that Jesus is giving before he gets to himself being the good shepherd. He's giving these compare and contrasting images of people that he's not. And the first category is this. He's saying, I'm not a thief or a robber. They come to, to steal, kill, and destroy. But, but I'm going to tell you who I am. I, I'm different than that. But let's just park there for a minute. This characteristics or these images of a thief or a robber. I want you to imagine in your mind a thief or a robber. What picture do you get in your mind? The first one I thought of when I was studying this this week was the Hamburglar from McDonald's. Now, if you're of a younger generation, you may have no idea what a Hamburglar is. But, oh, it was a wonderful character at mcdonald's anybody remember the hamburglar just me okay very good makes you hungry to think about it that came to my mind i don't know why just what it is to let you into my simple silly mind maybe you think of of somebody who's in a in a black hoodie with a ski mask and in in black gloves on thief or a robber but when we think about a robber this transcends cultures A, a robber the characteristics that they have what do we need to know about robbers well they take for their own advantage they don't steal for the good of others oh i yeah i've heard the stories of robin hood he stole from the rich to give to the poor but but he didn't steal for the good of those who had it so a thief by very definition the robber they take for their own advantage if you're taking notes you can jot that down letter a they take for their own advantage and they, they were consuming what they wanted not what they we're hoping to give or think about for the other people. Now, who were these thieves and robbers? 
Jesus was speaking specifically about those who were a part of this cold-hearted, hollow religion. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, who were self-appointed, those who were more interested in trying to manipulate the rules, the laws, than to live by the spirit of the law with the one who gave the law. They were the ones who would take for their own advantage. These religious leaders, they would do this all the time. They would take for their own advantage. They would take the situation and twist it for their own gain. But, but I would argue that it's not just Jesus pointing out how bad the Pharisees are. There's a broad context to this too, that the enemy is always the one who steals, who kills, and destroys. And sometimes he uses actions and attitudes of other people, but he is always devouring the things of God. And so Jesus is comparing and contrasting. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. I'm not like these thieves, like these robbers. How do you know who they are? They're the ones who take for their own advantage. Second, also, they are the ones who take life instead of give life. Now, if you just think about the simple concept of a, of a thief, of a robber, one of the, the scary things about someone who would break into your home is when they feel threatened, at times, they will take life. And the... the the robbery, the theft, will turn to a homicide or to some armed robbery where they'll try to attack. And their, their goal is to protect themselves and to take the life from someone else. Jesus paints this picture of a thief, of a robber, the ones who want to take, who want to hang on for themselves. They take life. They don't give life. These religious leaders, they had no life-giving desires, let alone life-giving power. They would stifle life with their meticulous letter of the law manipulation and yet not live in the spirit of the law but i want to suggest to us today that yes jesus specifically was speaking about these pharisees who were there but it wasn't just a beat up on the pharisee day he was saying no one can be the good shepherd but me and so this litmus test, how do we know who is a good shepherd and who is not? Now, sometimes we take this passage of Scripture and it's to, to help us to, to, to distinguish between a good spiritual leader and a bad spiritual leader. It's, it's very simple. Don't overthink this. A, a good spiritual leader always points to Jesus. What does it mean to be a good shepherd? As you shepherd your family, as you shepherd your circle of influence, as leaders shepherd this flock here at church, what does it mean to be a good shepherd? It simply means they point them to Jesus. These Pharisees were bad shepherds. Here in the midst of this miracle of, of sight being given back to this guy, they were not happy about what happened for this man meeting Jesus. They were more concerned about what people would think about them, what control that they would lose. And so Jesus' beef was not that they had flaws, or they weren't without any error, or they were not exactly like him. He, he was saying, you could never be like me. I am the good shepherd. The beef was, you are blind. How can the blind lead the blind? You can't see. It's me. I'm right here. I'm the good shepherd. I'm not these thieves. I'm not these robbers who take for their own advantage. I'm not these thieves and robbers who take life instead of give life. And I'm not the thieves and robbers who break down instead of build up. That's the third one there. If, if you think of stealing and theft, I can't imagine any culture throughout world history that was strengthened as a culture, as a society, because of robbers and thieves. They break down society. They don't build up society. They, they were not encouraging people. They were discouraging people. They were not adding to them. They were taking away. The Pharisees and religious leaders were taking away. 
So Jesus here is giving us this picture. He's saying, I am not like this image. I'm preparing your mind to receive the image that I am. But he goes on to say, not only am I not a thief or a robber, he says, I'm also not the hired hand. So as I get ready to talk to you about being a shepherd, I'm not the hired hand shepherd. Well, what are the characteristics of this hired hand? What's the deal with this picture? Well, in verse 12, look at it with me. He talks about how the hired hand forsakes the sheep in time of danger. Now, this is where the picture gets vivid. This is where Jesus turns it into HD. He increases the pixel count in the image. He gets really, really clear so you can see every wart, every wrinkle of what's going on. He says, hey, I'm not like these who are the hired hand that when things get tough, they just run. Now, here I believe what Jesus is saying is there is no human who can be the good shepherd the way I can be. In our human nature, there's times when we get scared. In our human nature, there's times when when our natural response is to, to flee and to hide and to seek shelter. But he says, I have a love like a shepherd would have a responsibility for his sheep. A couple weeks ago, we talked about, remember the shepherd laying down across the doorway of that sheep pen out there in the field? And his body literally became the gate or the door that would protect them, that would hold them in, that would give them security, that could, could in time release them to move out. Jesus is saying that that is me. But for you to get a clear picture, I'm not the hired hand. I'm not the one who just does this until it's tough. I'm deeper than that. He goes on in verse 13 and basically talks about this hired hand the influences, the situations, the people in our life who may appear to be a shepherd, a leader, a guide for us. But when things get tough, they abandon you. And to be quite honest, he just gets blunt. And he plainly says, he cares nothing for the sheep. The hired hand really doesn't even care for the sheep. He doesn't want to lay down his life the way the good shepherd does. These pictures are still true today, the imagery of thieves and robbers and hired hands. Now, I think maybe in our culture, maybe Jesus would have chosen something about an entrepreneur and his new young business. In our culture today, it seems easy, the owner of a business, nobody tends to that business like the owner of the business Nobody cares about all the hours that go into starting and launching and sustaining that business like the owner of the business. Nobody looks at the paid advertising quite the same way that the owner of the business does because it speaks about their business. He owns it. He has investment in all of it. And and the scripture is comparing and contrasting the owner of this small business to kind of like those who are hired for a minimal small wage. They just punch a time clock. I, what do I care? If there's a profit this quarter or not, I, I got paid. What do I care if someone has a bad impression about the business? I got paid. When, when it requires us to stay late and really, really press in, I'm hourly. I'm out of here. You paying overtime? No, I'm out. And so Jesus is using this idea of the hired hand shepherd with the good shepherd, the, the, the one that you want, the one who owns the sheep. There's an, there's an implication they would have got just like, in that illustration, we could see that there's a different level of interest. He's not the hired hand. And Jesus then turns to the picture to himself and he says, well, let me tell you who I am. Characteristics of the good shepherd. He gives images of the relationship that he has with the sheep. 
Jesus highlights this in their mind. I, just like a photograph would be as he paints a picture with words about who he is and what this relationship looks like. First, he talks about this laying down of his own life for them. He's saying, really, you need someone to protect you with their life. Not just any life, but my life. He's making claims about himself. He's talking about this relationship with the sheep. And he says, you know what? Not only do I lay down my life for my sheep, he says, I know my sheep intimately. Jesus says the good shepherd, he knows his sheep intimately. In other words, you're not just a statistic to me. You're not just some number. He knows which sheep are his. They would have caught that picture. A good shepherd would know which animals were his. And and he says, that's a better picture of, of what I am to you. And then he goes on even farther. We pick this up from verse 3 earlier on in the chapter. He says, you know what? (laughs) The good shepherd, he calls them by name. It was common in that day to be with the animals for so much that they would identify them. They would know them. They would even call them by name. And and there was that relationship with the shepherd that they could hear and and acknowledge him. And, And there's this understanding. I am the one who sees you. I know you. I know you personally. All over the book of John, this is the picture of Jesus. But then it goes on to the fourth one. Because he knows them by name, there's this implication not just about what he has in relationship to them, but what the sheep have to him. It says, the good shepherd, the sheep will know him. Those who are following me, it's not just that I'm tuned into them. They're tuned into me. They recognize me. They have seen me. They know me when I am there. In fact, the imagery that a number of scholars talk about is it would have been commonplace for them to understand that in the cities where they have the, the sheepfold that would, would have a, a common guard and, and different sheep from different flocks would come on in and, and then that guard would allow a shepherd to come in and he would call for his sheep. And by the sound of that shepherd's voice... Only the sheep that were his would respond to him. They knew that shepherd's voice. That's the image that Jesus was drawing up to say, hey, this is who I'm like with you. So the implications are, not only do I know you, not only will you know me, but you will know my voice, and he divides the room or the field again. And those who know my voice will obey. Number five, the sheep obey, hear and obey his voice. Now, the Pharisees would have heard this and, and what thought would have gone through their mind is, obey who? who? Who are you to tell me what? But at the same time, there's others that would say, yeah, I saw what you've done. I believe, just tell me. I hear you, Jesus. You know my name. You, you tell me, I can know you. Just speak it and I will do it. This is what's happening, the revealing and the concealing of who he is. Now, this wasn't just about what he knew of his followers and his followers knew of him. He goes on to be extra clear. He talks about his relationship with the Father. He knows his Father, and his Father knows him, verse 15 and 16, as we look at that. He's clarifying. He's saying, hey, in case you haven't seen this, I am the very Son of God. I know the Father. The Father knows me. We're acquainted. We are one together. This would have aggravated the Pharisees beyond all measure. 
They wanted to accept the Father, but they did not want to accept Jesus. They wanted to have the, the, the form of serving God, but they did not acknowledge God in the flesh right in front of them. They couldn't see it. They needed a picture. Jesus was painting it, and yet their heart was so closed, they were blinded to it. He goes on and says, not only does the Father know me and I know the Father, but the Father loves me. He says, the good shepherd, he is loved by his Father. And by the way, not only does the Father love me and I love Him, He has given His power to me. These are Jesus' words in this passage, giving a picture to His followers. And I even believe out of love for the religious leaders to give them another chance to come to the end of themselves to see who He is. Now often Jesus would teach and speak in a way, as I said, that would bring clarity for those who trusted Him. But it's just as true today, when the words of Jesus are spoken, for some, they reject it. For some, when they hear the words of Jesus, they ignore it. They're more concerned about what people will think about them. They're more jealous about what someone else is getting and they're not. They're more concerned that they're not utilized the way they want to be. I haven't had this leadership role. I haven't had this recognition. Friends, God help us. We can be blinded to the very Son of God in front of us. And so here's what Jesus says. He didn't really say, I want you to know what kind of haircut I have. I just kind of thought that you may not know what kind of haircut I have. He says, hey, you, you probably need some pictures of who I am so you could recognize me when I show up. So, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the gate, the door. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. And he expands on it. And those that were open to him, those that had relationship with him, they go, I begin to get it, Jesus. And if that's you today, this application is for you. All that is said for this in the next three minutes. Jesus is saying to you, you need to see me clearly. Because not like someday down the road, 10, 20 years from now, tomorrow. You're going to need to know that the very Son of God is in your midst and that He will guide you to the best life possible. Now here's what will happen. There'll be all kinds of situations and things that will come up tomorrow in your life, this afternoon in your life, that you'll say, I don't know if I need direction. Friend, the Creator, the author of the universe is saying to you, I have the best way for you to live your life. Would you listen to me? I want to guide you through it. Now here's what I don't like. I want to confess. I wish that God would give us his detailed map of turn-by-turn directions of what he, what he does. Often he doesn't do that. At least my experience is God doesn't give that to me very often. He, he can do whatever he wants to. I won't say never, but, but often he doesn't do that. More times than not what I've seen in my life, he says, Okay, Brady, I'm going to guide you to the best life possible. Here's a compass. I'm true north. You just follow me. Okay, Jesus, but I kind of wanted to know, like, how long till the next turn? I kind of wanted to know, is the next piece going to be bumpy? I kind of wanted to know, is there a rest stop somewhere? I'm hungry. Is there lunch? I kind of want, and Jesus says, hey, I am the guide. Don't try to control me. That sounds a lot like those that don't see me for who I am. They're thieves. That attitude is, is thieving. It's stealing away from you so you don't have the guidance that you need. It sounds like hired hands who don't really care about you. Friend, Have the attitude, Jesus is saying, where I can guide you. Here's his gift. 
When you see me as a good shepherd, I will guide you to the best life possible. When you see me clearly as a good shepherd, not only will I guide you to the best life possible, I will guard you from a ruined life. Well, Pastor Brady, that's exaggeration. Nothing's going to run my life tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I will. I'm not saying you're going to like gloom and doom day tomorrow. Friend, the enemy, in, in, in all kinds of forms, wants to devour you to get you to be complacent, to get you to not press into his presence, to get you to settle for something less. Oh, have a shepherd, have guidance in your life. It doesn't have to be the shepherd. Jesus has walked through it and says, no, 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 no. I will guard you from a ruined life. He doesn't expect you to have all the answers. He doesn't expect you to know the way. He doesn't expect you to, to not get jittery at times. He says, trust me, I will guide you and I will guard you. And Jesus, the good shepherd, is looking you square in the eyes. And he says, not only will I guide you, not only will I guard you, I will give you my redeeming life. Now, I love this idea of a redeemed life. Where all the others would suck the life out of them. Ever had someone in your life that sucks the life out of you? <laughs> They're a joy, aren't they? If you've never had anybody suck the life out of you, maybe you're that somebody sucking the life out of someone next to you. I don't know. That wasn't very nice, was it? <laughs> but it may be true. I don't know. We have all experienced, at some point in our life, we'll experience the drain of someone else kind of sucking life out of us for whatever reason. And we probably all will cause someone else to feel that way too. But Jesus says, hey, hey, hey. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the only one that can give you life, not just life, but redeem you. I can bring back where there's been death and bring life. Where there has been fractures, I can bring healing. Where there has been no hope, I can bring hope. That's what he's saying. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the gate, the door. It's me, guys. It's me. And the Pharisees, why they were so blinded, why Jesus appeared to be so harsh to them, is not because that they had made a mistake. It's not because they didn't cut his, his, his test and, and he says, you know, I don't like you. No, he's saying, you're rejecting me. And if you reject me, you reject all of this. I am the blessing. I am the gift. As we close this morning, I'm going to have Jacob come back. I just felt impressed today. Our response, maybe more than an altar call response today, is to respond in lifting our voice in song. Now, the altars are always open here at Grace Point. You can come pray. This is not the only place we pray, but but you can always come and seek the Lord here. This is a good place to pray. But today, unless you feel prompted differently, I want to invite you, would you stand with me now? In just a few moments, we'll be going a different direction. But if you're here today and you count yourself as a follower of Jesus, here's his intent. Let me reveal to you who I am so you don't miss me. So when I'm standing right in front of you doing a miracle, you don't get so caught up about what others think about you. You don't get so caught up in trying to control the situation and love the letter of the situation and not the spirit of what's happening. That that you don't get offended when, when Jesus points out weaknesses in you. You just go, Jesus, it's you. I want you. You are the good shepherd. You are the light. Now, if you're here today and, and you're not open to him, I'd love to talk with you after. You don't have to take my word for it. Maybe it just would be needed to talk with a friend, and I'd be happy to be a friend with you about what it could be like if Jesus was your way. But there are many, many people here today, you count yourself as a follower of Jesus, 
And I think your own ears need to hear your own mouth sing these words. Now here's what we're going to sing. When I've seen you more clearly, Jesus, I have strength for a new day. When I get a, a clearer snapshot picture of you, Jesus, I see you as the good shepherd, not the thief, not the robber, not the hired hand, but the one who lays down his life for me, the one who, who knows the Father and, and knows me and calls me by name, the one who, who guides me, the one who guards me, the one who gives me life. When I see you more clearly, Jesus, it gives me strength. It gives me confidence. It gives me boldness. If that's your heart today, don't sing to Jacob, don't sing to me. Let's sing this as a response to our Lord.